Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast. I'm Stu Hardy, fresh from my bunker in Algonquin National Park, <laughs> and I am joined by Derek Brissett. Derek, did you miss me? No. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thank <laughs> you for... Yeah, not, no, yeah. not at all. Not at all. Go back. Okay, t- two things I should probably uh, clarify and mention. One, I was not hiding out in a bunker in Algonquin National Park. I did not feed any information to the New England Free Jacks. What actually happened was my family came to visit from the UK, and obviously I don't get to see them that much, so I decided to spend time with them. They, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending how you view it, flew in at the exact same time as the Toronto Arrows versus New England Free Jacks game. So I had to meet them at the airport. Couldn't really get around that. Uh, the following week was um, we went away for the weekend to a cottage. So couldn't get the Seattle game. And then finally, uh, when they come back, the Arrows are playing in uh, New Orleans, which is very rude of them. So oddly convenient that you were at an airport after giving away the uh the secrets of the arrows to the free jacks i i stayed then, in toronto you could have come and found me at any time and then as but, me, james said you ended up at a at a national park after so i mean we we weren't wrong we the college was not in a national park i don't know where you get your information from but so libel and slander from my side oh i mean hey like you're the one that you're the one that was gone you were picking against the arrows while you weren't here Uh, i'll I'll get to that in a minute i also want to say a huge thank you to james dealey for filling in whilst i was away uh definitely been enjoying hearing him on the podcast as well as derek obviously but uh let's get into it so because you're wearing a Leaf jersey, and as a local Toronto sports podcast, we cannot go on any further, even though it's not technically related to rugby, without mentioning the fact that the Leafs, after 19 years, have finally made it out of the second, or made it out of the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, which is like our immediately like a top 10 great Toronto sporting moment of my life. Because quite frankly, we do not have a lot to pick from. So this is excellent. Um, yeah, and yeah, we got to acknowledge, got to acknowledge that. Yeah, as OT winner, that was sweet. Absolutely, one one sporting curse ends as another seems to be continuing. And by yeah. that, I'm referring the arrows ever growing injury list and oh my god, uh, personnel. So, shall we get into it? Let's talk about yeah, now. It, we'll game. get into the game. Now that we let's talk about the battle in the bayou. Uh, you know, the old rival, uh, Nola Gold. Um, you know, last season, despite. Uh, injury concerns and whatnot. It was a double victory for the Arrows that season, a one-point margin uh, first, and then a blowout win in Toronto. This year, however, you know, injuries have come into play. Uh, Nola, you know, they haven't, they've been pretty good this season, but they haven't been, you know, as great as they have been hoping to be. Um, but let's get into the game itself. It started off with a scoring Done by the gold themselves, getting a try early within the first 10 minutes, I think like within the sixth minute. And then uh, one of the tries that was highlighted on the MLR social media accounts was the try that ended up being scored by Canadian Eric Howard in the 11th minute and, you know, just outside the post to give uh, Richie Ioana a kick at goal. So Jay Duplessis and uh, Eric Howard getting the scoring side immediately 14-0 up. And that seemed to have come from a blunder um, from the arrow, you know, a defensive error. Uh, So the irony being is that when Toronto first scored, it was from a Nola Gold error of just very strange passing option that left it wide open for Mitch Richardson to catch. And then he had the, you know, afterburners on, yeah, the goal tried to come after him, but there was no chance whatsoever. Richardson between the sticks for an automatic seven, you know, immediately back into the game. Uh, no tries to be scored for the rest of the um, opening half, but uh, Shane O'Leary did get a penalty. So at halftime, it was Nola 14, Toronto 10. And then shortly after the second half, uh, we get Lalani Faleva jumping over the line 
and getting the ball down. O'Leary convert it, and suddenly Toronto are in the lead. And what has happened to Nola? You know, they were doing so well in the opening 10, 11 minutes, and then it just seemed to fade away. And, you know, it's, and as the phrase go, it was a game of two halves. So Nola, really good in the first 10 minutes of the first half, and then bit naff for the remaining 30. And in the second half, they were a bit naff for the first 30, and then great for the remain. Sorry, bit naff for the first 10, and then great for the remaining 30 minutes because they had four tries scored by, first of all, Jackson Hope got in in the 50th minute. Then it was Harmon in the 60th, Wheeler in the 67th, Karoy in the 71st minute. And yeah, to, uh, so I think it was uh, Hopes that was a automatic seven as well as duplices, I should say. Um, Joanna was able to get another conversion. Stevens even stepped up to kick the Karoy try. And then, you know, similar to the game against Seattle, it was like right at the death, the Arrows were able to get a final score to put a final statement on the match. And, you know, the whistle blew a lit. With the whistle blew after O'Leary's conversion and the final score, Nola 40, Toronto 24. Um, I know I haven't been doing the podcast for a couple of weeks, but it just seems as though it's the same old story, really, for the Arrows this season. I know there's been, you know, the ever-growing injury list, I think. Which got this way week, longer this week, too. Well, it started off with only... Uh, with the exception of um, the two guys who are out for the season. Uh, I think it's only like 10 names or 10 names total, so eight names on the injury list. A lot of guys um, are healthy again, but they weren't available to be in action because, uh, you know, you can only take so many players on the plane down to NOLA anyway. Um, But yeah, a couple of big hits that left uh, mid Mitch Edie. Yeah, Edie left. Goodall left. Yeah. Um, as Noel Reed left toward the yeah. end of the game or looked pretty beaten up. Um, Simonton had to get an HIA early in the game, too. Yeah, so and then, but he passed that, so he kept playing. Um, yeah. but yeah, and it's like who and I mean honestly, at this point, like who knows how banged up everybody else is or what guys are trying to play through at this point too it just seems it's uh you know it just seems like every time something kind of positive happens for the arrow something negative just comes right back and it seems to yeah. usually be in the form of an injury to somebody right now i was saying about the injury list is and that travis larson was off it and he was on the bench he was called into action far earlier because he was um, replacing ed uh goodall um was replaced by Fatoric. um and, you know, even uh, Lucas Rumble was off for a few minutes. James O'Neill coming on for just a bit. And... I think that was just a blood sub, though. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, but, you know, as in, of all the injuries you can have, none would be best. But, <laughs> yeah, I get, what you, yeah. I get what you mean. Um, But it's, and because of the ever-growing injury list, it seems to be the same pattern. Like, we saw it against um, Utah, uh, as well, we saw it against Seattle last week, is that the Arrows will play for a certain amount of time before tiredness or fatigue oh, sets okay. in and you know they're not running as quickly, their tackles are not as uh, strong or they're like missing tackles as well. And at that point, the floodgates open. Like, yeah, Jackson Hope scored in the 50th minute, but... Uh, Harmon, Wheeler, and Karoy's tries were all within the space of 10 minutes after the 60-minute mark. Yeah. And what? and yeah, it's like, oh, you know, the Arrows, you know, they were 14-0 down at the start, and they came back to take the lead, and then they got a try at the end. And I'm like, that's all well and good from a morale point of view. But the fact is that in the past four games three of which have been at home, mm-hmm. the Arrows have only two points to their name. Now, I know I had mentioned to you before that if the Arrows conceded 
um, five games or more than five games, they weren't going to be making the playoffs. And I think that was the game against New York, you know, which, you know, there was a lot of positives, but I'll talk about New York when we get to the other MLR games as well. Um, But obviously the result against New England, that's pretty conclusive. The result against Seattle, it's, Everything's now come together. It's the perfect storm. And even though mathematically the Arrows could make the playoffs, it is also on the standing that every Eastern Conference team loses every single game going forward. And unfortunately, they have to play them the other Eastern teams, which means even if they have a nil-nil draw, they still get two points. So... It's one of these things that, especially because I messaged you after the New England result and saying, like, you know, maybe it is a case that we just say, right, slack off this year. We know things are out of our control. Injuries are piling up. It ain't great. What we should be doing now is knowing which guys we want to have back next year, like having that conversation with them now, and saying, you know, have you considered investing in a bodysuit made of cotton wool for the off-season just to be safe? Um, but at the same time, being like, we want this guy back next year, we want this guy back next year, and if they're healthy, giving them game time. I don't think the Arrows are going to go 1-15 and 15 this season. I think when we get towards the end, like so... Let me just check. Uh, So the game against uh, San Diego, which is definitely uh, towards the end, isn't it? It's one of the last home games they have this year. Yeah, like mid-June. It's next Academy doubleheader, too. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, so I'll be there. I will be there for an Academy game uh, (laughs) this season. Yeah, but uh, also at that point, San Diego, who's doing incredibly well in the West, may have already qualified for... The Western Conference Final, they may be first place, nothing to worry about. They could send over a bunch of, um, you know, younger guys, get them out, and then they can focus, because they'll be focusing on the Conference Finals. So say, okay, we'll have Ma Nanu on the bench. We'll have, you know, a couple of our academy, you know, in the same way the Arrows have got their high-performance um, academy guy, you know, the guys who are in the academy but also can be called up to the main team. Uh, they'll be like San Diego, be like, okay, we'll have those guys in, and then the arrows can be like, mm. bam, we can get a win. It doesn't affect San Diego at all. San Diego can even try new things. And if it's like, oh, that resulted in an intercept try against us, doesn't matter. We're already top of the West. Um, you know, so yeah, I think, I think the arrows can get like a few more wins, obviously, as well. It depends. You know, we had the issue last year with scrum halves being replaced every, you know, every time the wind blew a different direction. Um, but it's it is just heartbreaking yeah. to see because it is a case of there is nothing we can do about these players. They are just getting injured. We have a curse somewhere. We need to yeah. call in an exorcist or whatever, yeah. and you know, do it for all. The jerseys, not just the number nine this time, and but yeah, I think it. I think from a organizational perspective, it's now said like, who's going to be here for twenty twenty four? Who do we want here for twenty twenty four? Let's if those guys are fit and able to play, let's give them the game time against ATL, against DC, against New England, See. and then we'll decide what's going on with Houston, San Diego, and Nola. No, see, here's the, okay. So I I agree with part of what you're saying. I disagree with some other parts there. Um, yeah, it's definitely you got if you're Tim Matthews, you're you're thinking you have to be thinking about next year. You're probably thinking about next year a long time ago, um, right? For like a couple a couple of reasons, as you said, like what the roster is going to look like. You're going to have a few things will open up for you. You're going to get your foreign player slots back. Yeah, you're going to have. You know, um, you know, you have time to, like you kind of said, you do need to like evaluate players. You do need to um, take those steps and figure out who you want to stick around. Because as 
as what happens in many other sports, it's like you got to rebuild, right? So you got to yeah. figure out who you want around for that rebuild, whose time it is to go. But also you're kind of looking at, too, um, with something that me and James did touch on last week as well, is like, you, it's honestly, it's looking like it's going to be between Toronto, Dallas, and Chicago for that first overall pick. At the very least, it'll probably be a top three pick that the Toronto Arrows have mm-hmm. in the draft. So your evaluation of who you would want to be taking with that um, top three pick, hopefully number like as weird as it is to say, it's like you end up you're going to end up in that weird like. Um, that weird zone that all sports fans, especially those that have previously cheered for the Toronto Maple Leafs, end up in where you're kind of like you want to see the guys you're cheering for do well. But at the same time, you're also kind of like eh, a draft pick, a higher draft pick would also be nice. So like that is definitely something that you're you're going to be looking forward to. The one thing, though, that I think you were kind of saying, like um, there's a couple things with this is like. You were saying it's like, oh, maybe you can get a win against like San Diego if they don't bring over a full power team. And I don't think that's the mindset that you have. You should have going into this. It's like, especially you're looking at the the Eastern Conference. Have you looked at the Eastern Conference standings? Did you have access to that um, in your Algonquin Park bunker? Well, by talking about San Diego, I'm specifically talking yeah. about the Western Conference. I know. But have you looked at the Eastern Conference standings? Because if you haven't realized, the Eastern Conference sucks. Yeah. Like, it's terrible right now. Like, you have New England, who's clearly the best team. And if honestly, um, unless I hope... For New England's sake, I hope they don't follow suit with their fellow Boston sport teams and go and have an unreal regular season and then absolutely choke in the playoffs. But, Didn't they do that last year? New England, well, the, I was, I was, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was referring to the Boston Bruins who just had historically the greatest NHL season of all time, only to lose to the Florida Panthers in the first round. Um, Hang on. I just want you, can you repeat that again? The, the Boston Bruins lost to the Florida Panthers in the first round. Yeah. I, 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 I know. I heard what you said. I just wanted you to say it again. Yeah, no, no, exactly. It's great. Um, you know what? The one thing I am, I wanted the Leafs to beat Boston though. I got to admit, I wanted that to happen. But, uh, well, um, it's going to have to be another year. Right but either way, like you have New England, who's clearly the best team in the East, right? NOLA, who is sitting at five and five is second, right? And then you have three teams. So New York's played an extra game, so they're four and six. We have three teams with four wins at a combination of four and five and four and six, depending on how many games they played. If you're Toronto right now, right one, maybe in the back of your head, I guess, if you're an athlete, it's like, hey, it's not over until it's over. So it's real technically not completely out of reach. But also, go, don't worry about other teams and stuff in that, like, maybe are already in, in a different conference. But, like, you still have games against Atlanta. You got games against Old Glory left. You got games against NOLA left. Go ruin someone else's year. Right? Like, bring... Bring someone down with you. Like if you're if you're gonna go down, just bring brings reach. You know what? Like it's like you know when you're at the pool party and someone tries to push somebody into the pool, right? Just reach back and grab them and bring them down with you, right? Um, you can ruin. There's a lot of potential to ruin somebody else's year just because of how close the Eastern Conference is, right? And you know, take pride in that ability to ruin someone else's year and yeah. let. I mean, if from the player's point of view, let Tim Matthews worry about what the team will look like next year. Yeah, but that's why I said an organizational point of yeah. view. I'm not I'm not saying that yeah. they're gonna, but if you're he's gonna player, be whispering in the air and saying, like, hey, yeah. how many days left on your contract? How about <laughs> you go on holiday early? Yeah. I mean I mean that I don't see the arrows making the playoffs. No, they, they I, probably I, I, won't. Irritatingly, they've already won't. played New York twice. And again, yeah. I'll get to New York in a bit. Um, Ruin. But it's there against... Got NOLA still? NOLA at home? They've got NOLA again. Yeah, they've got Atlanta ATL again. They've got, got DC, DC again. And then they've yeah. got New England again. And I think the only uh, Western opposition they have is against Houston and Houston, San Diego. Diego. Yeah, both, exactly. both of which are two teams that are currently in the playoff right. picture. For the yeah, West, but even for um, them, like you could, like again, just ruin, like because Utah is right behind Houston and Seattle too, right? Yeah. Like go, you ruin, like that's, the, I think, like 
Tim Matthews right now, yes, worry about next year, figure out what the team's going to look like and how you want to build. Because this will also be Tim Matthews' first full offseason at the helm, yeah. right? Or So, like, he's going to get the ability to completely build the team in his image without worrying about any anything that's left over before he got there, right? Yeah. Um. So he can do what he wants and build that. But for the players, if you're and even like Pete Smith and you're the coaching staff, it's like just go out and wreck someone else's year. Um, that that's easier said than done, considering the track record you, the Arrows have. This you got to play. That's what you got to play. That, for. That, that's why I'm saying that when it gets to those final few games, yeah. you know, against Houston, against San Diego, against Nola. So I feel like by yeah, round. 16 17 we're starting to see which teams are definitely going to yeah, be in the playoffs probably will uh, which is, and, that, and that's the thing if you're san diego for example and you get to round 16 and you have secured the playoff you know the uh, conference championship game it's going to be held at snap at snapdragon stadium and you yeah. still have two games to go one of which is in toronto do you want to send over your best full strength team to just breeze past them. You know what? Knowing that you've knowing that it won't change the result regardless of yes, whatever happens. You do. You know what? I, I, in all honesty, yes, you do. Um, because here's the the one thing with that. And for, okay, maybe from like an actual sports standpoint, I, you're probably correct. From an actual yeah. competition trying to win the league, yeah. The MLR needs to market. Dude, like none of these teams should be sitting out star players that other cities only get to see once. Like, especially San Diego, you have Ma Nanu. Not Nanu should play. Like, oh yeah, but that's in, the biggest draw in the league. True, but like, in the and, same so, way, is, there's a difference between right now, starting Nanu and having Nanu come from the bench. Yeah, as in, first of all, first play of all, San Diego's team is obviously play stacked. No, Nanu's, Nanu's got to be twelve. Nanu's twelve. Play him. Like you, sh- you should like this. Would he, or would he be away doing coaching duties for nah, play um, other well, like, things? Or, I mean, you're I mean, okay. Technically, you yes, you are right from a competition trying to win the league point of view. Yeah, you're right from that point of view. From a marketing, you're trying to sell the game point of view. Like this isn't the NBA where it's like you you've achieved the max popularity. Like you're one of the biggest sports leagues. On the continent, like the Lakers can sit LeBron James, and it's not going to cost them anything and stuff. If you're MLR, you need you want you got to have your biggest stars play because that's the draw, right? And it's like that's like on, on paper, right yes. Now, but you have to remember this isn't also this also isn't a San Diego hosted game. That's I know the thing. Mar, Mar Nonu is a Mar is a San Diego player. So no, it's a Toronto should, game though. So why should San Diego? Boost Toronto's audience because you're, ticket you're working together as a league. It's a single entity league. You want everybody to do well. As it's like we're getting so far off track. Yeah, ex- uh, yeah. But one team will win a championship. All twelve teams have to sell tickets, right? Yeah. But again, it's a single entity league, and all twelve teams should be helping everybody sell tickets, sharing best practices. Doing things that can help. If you got star players, man, play star players. We're getting so. So sidetracked with this conversation. Okay, so I think we got to get back to like talking about the arrows and the Nola Gold game. Let's get let's actually talk about the game that we're kind of maybe brought on to talk about. To be honest, I think we, I think we have talked about the game. We've talked yeah, about the you know we talked about the result. We've talked about the situation the arrows are yeah. in, and mm-hmm. so and I think the I, the again it's the saving grace that we said last time it happened. They're going into a bye week. Yeah, which I mean, it, I mean, it's both good and bad, right? I mean, obviously, it's good in the sense that they get a break. Uh, they probably need the mental break, and they also probably, they definitely need the physical break. Yeah, hopefully, they can get a get some guys back from from injuries. I mean, I think the the one thing it's like I think looking at this Nola game, um, one of the things me and James were talking about the last couple of episodes was whether like the arrows kind of being a Jekyll and Hyde team and 
it's they played the king of Jekyll and Hyde teams in this game too, who both look who definitely looked like a Jekyll and Hyde team in this game too. Um, but I think like the arrows are starting to feel more like if we're gonna use like classic literature characters and references, I think the arrows to me are starting to feel more like a werewolf, where it's like once they, in a blue moon. Well, not so much even once in a blue moon, but they can be absolute monsters, and then you're just kind of waiting for the sun to come up. And the sun usually comes up around the 65th minute of the game. Yeah. Right. And this is a like this is another game where it's like much like it's another game, much like the game against, you know, uh against Seattle last week. Um, they had uh, you know, an earlier the game against Utah earlier in this year. Yeah, they're um, competitive like, for yeah, the first like, 40 to 60 minutes, and then like the arrows it just slips. Exactly. Like the arrows could have. Like, I don't want to say they could have won this game. I like because that kind of feels me that saying there's a couple of games this year that me and James were talking about where like the arrows maybe could have or should have won. Um, I'm not sure if they could have or should have, but at the same time, I'm like, you were winning the game five minutes into the second half. Um, which suggests that it's like you ha- at least have a shot. And I mean, I think Noel uh, definitely controlled the like the territory possession, the pace of play. Um, one of the arrows, the arrows early first half try was obviously um, Mitch Richardson with the um, the pick on a incredibly lazy pass from a yeah. lock there. Um, but like he picked that off. That was a quick seven points, right? Uh, Richardson had a phenomenal game. He's low. I think Richardson's low key been one of the arrows best players over the last like three or four weeks. Um, but I think like so you have that. You obviously then you had uh Faleva get his try um with the nice little Superman dive over the top. Uh right, which which is great. And it's like the arrows maybe were kind of being a little bit outplayed, but they were finding ways to hang around in the game. Um the set piece was really an issue for them, um, both in the sense that the lineout couldn't connect. The scrum was kind of on the back foot a little bit. Also, they had that one scrum penalty, just um, uh, I think Salmon just arguing with the ref, um, right, which doesn't necessarily yeah. help. But it's like they were able to kind of hang around in this game. And then it's like you get to um, the, the sick. When did Noah, Noah score three tries in what, the final 15 minutes? Or, yeah. 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 From the 60th right. to the 70th. Yeah. 61 yeah. to the 71st. Yeah. So you give up. Um, three tries in a 10 minute window right and that's yeah. the game yeah like that's the game like other outside of that like 10 minutes even after jackson hopes try in the 50th minute right to put nola back out in front you're watching the game and you're just like oh, okay like the arrows are still in this right yeah. it's, they're losing but they're still in this they've been yeah. right um but it's like yeah and it's another stretch and there was a stretch you know against utah where they gave up a ton of points in the final 15 minutes Right, they gave up points in the final 15 minutes against Seattle, too. Because even that Seattle game, um, like that was close until Seattle decided it wasn't close. The Utah, yeah. right? And this felt like another game, much like the Utah game, that Seattle game, that it was like this game was close until Nola decided that it wasn't close, right? And that's um, it feels like, especially like late in the game, and maybe there's like a maybe it's because they haven't been able to pull out any like wins late um but maybe it's because they haven't been able to pull out any wins late but like they they seem like they get behind by like one try late in the game and then try to maybe kind of do too much or overcompensate or like and then Mm. that one try quickly becomes two tries three tries four tries and that's kind of been a problem yeah, well, again, it's down to, I think, Yeah. when you look at the players and who's in the starting line every time, and, like, we've obviously seen, again, with the game with Utah, there was, like, didn't even have a full bench for them to use. Yeah. Oh, it's no, yeah, there's been a whole lot of other issues. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about additional curses that seem like they're coming up, too? Should we get all superstitious? Because there's another, I think there's another curse that is slowly bubbling here that we maybe are ignoring for far too long. Uh, do you want to explain it? Sure. Um, I, I'm not sure I'd word it correctly, so I'm leaving it to you. Yeah. Um. I am becoming, and you know, and I think this is probably um be growing because of my lifelong Leaf fandom and yeah. um, watching guys from Toronto 
absolutely light up the Toronto Maple Leafs mm-hmm. um, over the past like 15 years. Yo, Canadians play better against the Toronto Arrows, right? Like, is is this just is this just me? Like, this mm-hmm. is Eric, Eric Howard doesn't have a lot of tries this year. He scores a beauty. He plays great. Nola wins. You literally, um, you have Andrew Coe is get, get Andrew Coe scoring tries. Um, every single Canadian player on the New England Free Jacks played the best game of the season against Toronto back in Toronto. DeWalt Kotze scored a try, and the Dallas Jackals beat the Toronto Arrows. Literally. Yeah. Every Canadian in the league plays the best game of their season against Toronto. Nikai Penny had like 19 tackles and like 45,000 breakdown arrivals. Then and Roden only scored. Then you have to look. What is the common denominator in all those scenarios? It's the arrows. Yeah, that and, and Canadian is what needs to be addressed. Anyway, I think it we this is it's a, you people you get up for your like against your right. team against your hometown team. Everybody gets up for that a little bit more, a little bit of a rival or like you want to play well against your family and friends and stuff. Every Canadian though against the Arrows. It's actually it's kind of it's becoming a little absurd. Anyway, let's move on to the other games that took place. There's only a few games. Is uh this weekend just gone and next weekend there's only four games going on, so a bit of a Bit of an interesting um, decision made with the bye weeks because we go from two weeks of four games to a week of six games, and then weeks 14 and 15 are the final bye weeks. So we end the season with uh, three rounds of four compliments. You know, know, I'm not a schedule planner, but anyway, let's get into the games themselves, starting off with the only Friday fixture. I don't realize how hard it is to make a professional sports league schedule. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying it's both. easy. I'm just yeah. intrigued it's... by the decision making. Anyway, oh, hard. let's get let's get into games. Seattle versus Dallas. Now, you know, we all predicted who was going to win this, but it was the margin of how they won was quite big because it seemed that Seattle scored and then they scored again. And you know, I think they weren't happy with how they played against the Arrows. Last week, you know, it took it far too long to get that try bonus point there. Like, we need to get this done as soon as possible. And I believe it was by the 30th minute mark, Riker Hattinger had had his second try and, you know, try bonus point done in the bag. Yes, Marcus Moroni had scored for Dallas, but, you know, as in you've done, you've gotten something out of it. You know, you've reached a certain mark. And then, you know, probably told at halftime as well. It's like, guys, you're doing great, but, you know, we don't want to let up. We just want to add a bit more salt to the wound. You know, um, Adrian Carlza, you uh, were a Dallas Jackal earlier this season. Uh, you need to score a try against them. And, you know, obviously there was a bit of um, indiscipline from both sides. Like Jake Turnbull got yellow carded, Lucas Burr got yellow card, Gomez Vara. Uh, as well, you know, and I think like two minutes after birth, so Dallas were down to 13 men, which also helped um, Seattle pretty much. Uh, the final score, Seattle 61, Dallas 19. Yeah. And then to uh, DeWalt Kotze, he was top 10 tackle or, or uh, had 10 tackles, top five for uh, the Jackals in this game. So solid performance from him. Yeah, you know, you've got to have uh, some Canadian positives here and there. Uh, okay, and then we go from a high, the highest scoring game of the weekend to the lowest scoring one. And so I'll put it like this, because uh, it was very rainy for <laughs> New England versus New York. Just a bit, yeah. So you go for the first half, you know, your, your umbrella's inside out because of the wind, your coat's soaked. Uh, Balakana has got a try in the sixth minute and uh, uh, Potros misses the conversion. And then uh, eventually Potros gets a penalty and just before halftime. And you're like, right, I've had enough of this. I'm cold. I'm wet. I need to go. I'll go home and I'll come back and I'll, you know, be able to see like the last few minutes of the game 
if I'm lucky, you go out and you get stuck in traffic and you're like, oh my lord, I'm I'm gonna miss the game. You get home, you change, you go back out, you traffic again. Oh, you I'm only gonna get there for the 80th minute. I'm gonna have missed so much. And the score's still the same by the time you get back. Full <laughs> score, New England eight, New York nil. And I did say I wanted to talk about New York, so I'm just going to briefly touch upon it, because even though uh, Ed Fidel was now back in the New York lineup, New York have gone through an equally long injury list yeah. as the Arrows. And the and the downside is that the Arrows injury list started in week one, whilst New York started, I think, in like week six or seven. And as a result, they've been able to clock in like four wins. But now the losses are racking up. It is getting tough out there for the defending champions. So to put this in context, uh, I believe that New York are playing. Yep, they're playing this coming week. And then they're taking a bye uh, in week 14. But they are currently sitting fourth on 23 points. DC is above them on 25. Atlanta is below them on 20, but they have played one fewer games than New York. So I believe, uh, so for example, DC are playing Dallas and Atlanta are playing uh, Chicago this weekend. Those are games in which uh, ATL and DC can, you know, easily win. And suddenly the defending champions will find themselves in fifth in the, uh, Eastern Conference. I mean, I say that as well. New York are playing NOLA, so you know, can't can't be can't be completely certain. But you know, I mean, it, it, it isn't looking good for New York at the moment. No, it's it, no, it's obviously they're uh, they're dealing with their own issues and stuff too. I think for New York right now, though, it's like like you said, they got a bye week in two weeks. But like, if the, if they can get healthy and stuff, with how tight the Eastern Conference is outside of New England pulling away from everybody and Toronto maybe a little too far back. Um, but like between uh, NOLA, New York, uh, between NOLA, New York and Atlanta, it's um, I'm forgetting somebody else. DC um, between yeah. those four teams, it's like it's really close. So you as long as you can kind of hang around, um, but it's obviously it's going to get a little bit tougher. Um, Andrew Coe has been playing really well for them, especially in the absence of Ed Fidel. Um, yeah, he had another, uh, he had another pretty solid, uh, solid game racking up. Um, yeah. We also have to remember Quinn Nawadi has been playing well. Yeah, Nawadi's been very good. Yeah, week. he's been very good too. And, um, I, and I will say that whilst New York do have their injury list and they are, you know, they're not, they, you know, lost against, uh, DC, they lost against Houston, and obviously they just lost against the Free Jacks. But in those games against um, DC and Houston, you know, they were still getting bonus points. They were still within touching distance. And that's been the difference, say, than Toronto, who have been, you know, obviously the blowout loss to New England, but, you know, just being, you know, a try, needing an extra try against NOLA. And they yeah. could have had a losing bonus point, but I th- yeah. So yeah. so yeah. As in, again, if if New York's injury list had happened sooner, maybe we wouldn't be uh, we'd be talking about them like we're talking about the hours at the moment. But yeah, I anyway, think that- the other side of this game too, though, is like New England clearly the best team in the East, but also showing that they can win games like multiple ways. Right, yeah. like they've had the uh, they obviously had the we can score in bunches game against Toronto. Um, They've had the, we can just play like, you know, if we got to deal with some weather, we can just play complete shutdown D control, you know, get into kicking battles, can try to play territory, play possession. um, And, you know, basically essentially hold a five, nothing lead for the first half and an eight, nothing lead for the whole, for the entire game. And that works. Um, but they've also gotten into a couple high scoring affairs too, right? So they can kind of they show that you they can outpace teams, they can blow you out, they can completely blow you away, and they can also you know get muddy in the trenches if they have to, right? And like, um, that's a uh, you know it's like they're clearly the class of the Eastern Conference right now in this game, even though you know maybe it's low scoring, maybe it's not the most exciting, you know, because of the weather, but like. Um, they're kind of showing that uh, like their team is incredibly versatile, and they also got Bodine Waka back, which 
um, me and James joked about how Jason Potro should be ashamed of himself for missing two conversions against the Arrows um, and limiting their record-breaking performance a little bit, only for um, New England to apparently take that joke way too seriously. Yeah. And, uh, sign Bodine Waka for until 2025, too. So um, that's not good to look at for the rest of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, well, we go from the Eastern Conference to the Western Conference as we have the final game of the round, San Diego versus Houston, two teams within the playoff picture at the moment. And yeah, it seems as though uh, Snapdragon Stadium is becoming uh, the Snapdragon Fortress at this moment because I don't believe the Legion have yet lost. And it were, you know, I'll admit it was a pretty uh, close encounter going for obviously San Diego got the jump uh, pretty early on. And then Houston were able to get back into it. But in the second half, it was all San Diego as they close out the weekend with a score of 29, Houston 16. Speaking of Houston and also New York as well, it has now been announced by Major League Rugby the um, sanctions posed against head coach Pote Human of Houston and the head of high performance Ollie Richardson for New York. They will each miss the next six games of the season, which will now be five after this weekend. Uh, they've also been sanctioned with unspecified fines, and they are to be donated to a charity of MLR's choosing, and both will have to perform community service. What did you... We didn't even talk to you about this. What did you think of that whole incident? And a pretty crap slap to <laughs> begin with, and then... And I... From my experience with, you know, martial arts and stuff like that, I know rugby is like a game of high testosterone and like, oh, I have to prove how strong I am. I have to hit this tackle as hard as possible. As soon as someone like throws a punch, leave. Is it? It's not. I think you have to condition yourself, of, especially when it gets into fights and stuff like that, yeah. is first of all, human should never have gone on the field. He should have been shouting at like the match like the side uh, official at most, you never enter the field. Um, you never throw hands because this, <laughs> th this isn't the UFC or anything. You're not skilled in it. But it's always, in when it comes to conflict, it's de-escalate, avoid, and then engage. And there was no, um, at any point, neither Human nor Richardson had an effort to avoid or de-escalate. They were just like, oh, must be man, must defend honor. De-escalating de and, and avoiding conflict is not entertaining, though. I don't care. I came here to watch rugby. If I wanted to watch fighting, and if I wanted to watch pathetic fighting, I would have watched WWE. Oh, but... what's WWE? That's well, like it's not, it's not fighting. It's scripted, it's scripted physical drama, and I do like it, but... If I want to see if I want to see a guy punch or hit a guy in the face, I'll watch professional. I would watch boxing. I'd watch UFC. That I don't want to see a non-fighter up against another non-fighter in a situation like it. It was you know it was pretty. It was pathetic. It was embarrassing. It was fun. It was fun. It, Come on, it's fun after the fact. Like in the moment, I'm like Jesus Christ, how old are you? I think Whoa. um. I think the suspensions are pretty much. I honestly, I think the the discipline is pretty much bang on, though. That seems like. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. that. I think. Is. Yeah, like I think they, I think the MOR honestly nailed this punishment. I think the other thing that they should have done is have, um, Human and Richardson individually, um, issue an ap a public apology, for ah. it. Because no, because I want. I want people, including people within MLR organizations as well as fans, especially children, to understand that these are the consequences you have to do in these sorts of scenarios. Ah, I mean, I think the, the in the same way, in the same way, you don't want punishment. a parent to come onto the field when you're, you know, when it's your Earth. kid's game. Then I don't want a coach to like be coming on and just being pointing at the ref and slapping opposition high performance director no, i don't like i don't i mean i i don't think that that's gonna necessarily lead to you know people in club rugby or youth rugby like starting fights on the sidelines and stuff but um yeah i don't know it's i i think it 
it's kind of fun from an entertainment point of view. Obviously, you have to suspend them and punish them for it. And I think the league kind of actually nailed it. Um, uh, yeah, I think they, it's got, gonna the, be tough I think they both, got the right balance. Especially for Houston, that's going to be tough going through uh, a playoff push. They're already 0-1 without, um, without your head coach. Anyway, let's talk about uh, Rugby Canada. News came out today. Uh, the men under 20s are to play two games in Uruguay. That'll be against the Uruguay under 20s on Tuesday, May 9th at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time. And against Spain under 20 on Saturday, May 13th. The exact dates are to be confirmed. Get These games will act as a warm-up series to the series that they will play against USA under 20s. So Canada and USA under 20s will play uh, two games. I believe they're both going to be held in the United States. It's not, surprisingly enough, at uh, Rugby Town USA, because I think the um, Super Rugby America series is still ongoing. Yeah, uh, on June the 6th and 10th in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, two-game series that will determine the North America berth for the 2023 World Rugby Under-20s trophy. So um, the Under-20s team have been playing... Uh, yeah, you know, limited games the past two years. Uh, they had that mini tournament against uh, Chile, uh, Zimbabwe, and the USA, I think, last year. So, you know, with the return of the World Under-20s trophy, both uh, teams will be acting to enter that. And, you know, playing some warm-up games, allowing the coaches to see what works, what doesn't. And, you know, obviously, thanks to Uruguay for being able to Post this game. All right. And now the women's game. As we know, the Pacific Four series is coming not only to Canada, but to Ottawa on July 8th and 14th. And those tickets are now on sale for you to purchase from as little as $20 each. It's really good. And obviously, we had the game, uh, the men's game played against Spain at uh, TD Place last year. Uh, if you go for July 8th, you get Australia versus USA, Canada versus New Zealand, as well as a free entry to a curtain raiser featuring Canada under-20 women's team playing the England under-20 women's team as well. And July 14th will be New Zealand versus USA and concluding the tournament Canada versus Australia. So, yeah. And if uh, tickets purchased in a group of 10+, plus, we'll receive a 15% off discount and you can use the promo code GROUP15 and tickets are available at rugby.ca slash en slash tickets. Right. MLR round 12 predictions. We have four games again this weekend. The Arrows, of course, on a bye. Uh, so first, we have Atlanta versus Chicago. Derek, who do you have? Atlanta. I like how we're getting to the end of the season and we're like, okay, who can get the most points for uh, no, the best differential just... at the end of the league? As as we have as me and James discussed at length the last couple episodes, um, the uh, the actually I was gonna say I just did this backwards because I was like the West absolutely destroys the East. Yeah, I'm gonna change this to Chicago. Why not? I'll go for an upset. All right, okay. I'll change this to Chicago. Why not? We'll see how this goes. Okay, well we have another West versus East, uh, Dallas uh-huh. versus DC. I'm gonna go with DC. Derek, I'll say, by there, your logic, are, are you gonna go with Dallas? There, yeah, there are still some outliers in the data. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I'll pick DC on this one. All right, okay. Although I did well, just pick a one in eight team in the previous game to whatever. I can only pick one one in eight team based on this. So okay. Well, the third game is entirely West, so it's Utah versus San Diego. Who do you have? Uh oh, San Diego. Until they 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 got to give you a reason to not pick them right so yeah up. yeah you know, that, that, that is fair logic uh you know as a return fixture from round one uh, i'm just hoping the jerseys don't clash as much this time but i'm gonna go with oh. san diego as well and the final one which is an all eastern affair so you can't use this uh yeah. west is better excuse new york versus nola oh i mean i think Nola is kind of proven to be the ultimate Jekyll and Hyde team. They seem to play really well and then crap and then play really well and then crap. So they won the last game. They played kind of good. 
I guess. We didn't really talk about NOLA too much on the show, but um, so I, I think I'm going to go with New York just because it doesn't uh, doesn't seem to follow NOLA's pattern. Yeah, Nola. If you want us to talk about you more often, you have to have more Canadians on the team. I I keep saying this. If you hey, want us to talk about you, they you're start, gonna have they to started me. Eric Howard, and look what happened. They, they started won. Eric Howard, and they won the game, and he scored a and, try. Yeah, like this is the thing. We this is why we're not picking uh, Utah, is because they only have one Canadian. San, well, San Diego now has three Canadians to choose from, so. You know, if you want us to Mike. want us to feature you more on the podcast, you got to have more Canadians in the squad. Smith looks good in his first game back too. We didn't talk about that when you did your little recap, but uh, we can talk about him when he comes to uh, Toronto. Yeah. Like, he's going to be the selling point of he's, that. He's, game. Yeah, that's a, that's going to be the big one. Yeah. That's what we're going to bring Nanu with. And, the, and by bring your Nanu logic, anyone who plays Toronto, any Canadian who plays Toronto, does their best. We're going to see him. You know. Threaten the captain jersey. Anyway, if you are looking to watch any of those MLR games, you can do so on the Rugby Network. Uh, we also have the return of the World 7 Series. This is going to be in Toulouse, the final round for the women, the penultimate round for the men. We've already said how uh, Canada are going to be uh, confirmed for that playoff tournament in London. But if you want to watch how they perform, you can watch that on CBC and CBC Gem. We also have the... Premiership final rounds coming up, and we also have the URC quarterfinals, and you can watch those on Sportsnet. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out more as well as our written pieces on our new website, therougerugby.ca. You can also find our podcast on Spotify, S4P, and Apple Podcasts. We also have a YouTube channel at La Rouge Rugby with episodes of the podcast, as well as extra interviews with players and coaches. Make sure to like and subscribe and hit the bell notification to stay up to date with all our videos. We are also available across social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at the Rouge Rugby. Derek, where can the fine people find you? Um, at Brissette the Jet across all social media networks. All right, and you can find me across social media at Hardman, spell H4RDMAN. Well, that's where we're going to end this episode. Derek, thank you for joining me. Thank you for holding the fort whilst I've been away with uh, and James as well. Thank you for stepping in as a guest host. And thank you all for joining us for the Rouge Rugby podcast, where we focus on real Canadian rugby. We hope you can join us again next time. <laughs>